I'm telling you guys, this stuff works because I've seen it. I have this whole life and this whole testimony that no one could ever take away from me. That God is good and he rewards those who give. Welcome back to the I Have Written Podcast, gentlemen. I hope your week has gone well so far. On this nice first week of October, we're officially full swing into autumn. The leaves are changing. It's starting to cool down a little bit, but life is still good and it still goes on. But it's the harvest season. It has been for a little bit in some places already. And with that comes thinking about first fruits tithing, giving back to God with everything that he has already given us. And I talked a little bit about about this in the mini-sode on Monday, that this is what we're going to go over. So let's jump right into it. First off, tithing is a commandment. And I know, I know, before any of you guys click off right away, that, um, that the word tithing kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, right? It's not it's not a, um, a term that a lot of people are very fond of. The fact is, very few people, very few churches as a whole tithe, at least in the United States. Very, very few people actually do that because as a whole, people don't care what the Word of God says anymore. But I digress. The point is, it's a commandment from God, and because it is, we need to listen to it regardless of what your initial feelings are about it. It's worth noting and it's worth taking a look at. So Leviticus chapter 27, verses 29 and 30, sorry, it's just verse 30, says, All the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now the tithe, which is expounded upon more in Leviticus, is giving a tenth of everything you harvest, or anything from your flocks or your herds, anything like that, you give a tenth of it, one-tenth, to the Lord. In this case, you would bring it to the the temple or the tabernacle and offer it up as a sacrifice. You give back to God what he has already given to you is the premise of it, because everything belongs to God, everything that is created that is good was from God, especially food, right? Food and money come from God. And so you're just saying, God, Thank you for everything you've given me. I'm giving it back to you to do whatever you want to do with it. Maybe you could give it to someone else to entrust it with them so that they can, in turn, go do something awesome for your kingdom. Points of that nature, right? But God demands a tenth of everything that we have. Now, remember, guys, the tenth is the minimum. If you feel like you should be giving more than that, go for it if that's within your means. Absolutely go for it. But he asks us to trust him with part of our worldly possessions because we do start to freak out when people touch our money in this case. You know, most often, not a whole lot of us are farmers anymore. For those of you who are, you guys can certainly understand this concept as well. But people, we freak out when people touch our money. 
We don't like it being taken away from us. And so we get too clingy and obsessed with how many physical resources we have instead of leaning on God for providing all those things for us. Another point that I hear a lot of, from people when we talk about tithing is, well, well, that's part of the law. That's the law. And that's done away with. Well, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So he didn't get rid of it. He said it by his own mouth. He's not getting rid of it. Things related to sacrifices for sins, he did get rid of because Christ was the ultimate sacrifice, is the ultimate sacrifice and mediator for our sins. And all that is expounded upon in the book of Romans, right? We don't need that. And it's expounded on in the book of Hebrews as well. So if you want to understand more about what Christ actually did and the parts of the law that we don't have to apply anymore as far as ritual sacrifices and festivals and things of that nature, those are expounded upon in the book of Romans and the book of Hebrews. Go read it for yourself. But the tithe is still applicable. That was not taken away with the sacrifice of Jesus. It is still very applicable to us. And the thing is, it's a good thing. It is good for you. People think, oh, God just wants my money. The church just wants my money. Let me tell you something. As an individual who has never, to my knowledge, received money that was part of anyone's tithe, let me tell you, I'm still telling you to tithe. Whether it's to your church or another ministry that you really believe in and you think is doing awesome things for God, do it. Trust God with your physical resources, with your finances, and watch how he blesses them. And I'm going to get to the blessing part soon, right? But we can't be selfish and obsessive over our physical needs. And I know some of you may be financially in some hard times where you're thinking, I don't have any money to give away. Well, you know what? A tenth of a dollar is just 10 cents. How much are you going to get with 10 cents? It's not about the actual dollar amount that God's concerned about. It's about proportions and percentages. Jesus re-emphasized this when the widow came up in the temple and gave two mites. And a mite, as far as I understand, is half a penny. So she gave a penny and God said, she gave more than all these other guys who were dumping money bags full of stuff into the offering um, receptacle because she gave more in proportion with what she had. All these guys gave out of their opulence and, you know, giving that stuff couldn't actually hurt them. She gave everything she had. That was the very last money that she had. It's about proportion, not dollar amount. Okay? So, <clears throat> Christ tells us that he's going to provide for us regardless of our circumstances or what's happening in the world. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? Wow. So God has this entire planet he's made with all these creatures, all this life, and he sustains it all by the power of his word. And it's right, as someone who loves to study birds, actually, I do that, <laughs> I can tell you, um, they don't have banks, they don't have storehouses, some of them might cash a few seeds here and there, or a few acorns, but they don't 
plan long-term for the future. The most they plan for is like a couple months in advance. And it doesn't always work out that way. But still, God takes care of them and provides them with everything that they need. I can tell you, birds aren't too busy thinking about, you know, oh, you know, how am I going to feed feed my family tomorrow? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? First of all, they don't have the intelligence to think that far ahead. Second of all, all they can see is right is what's right in front of them. So they see food, they pick it up, they give it to their babies or themselves, and they move on. They know that there's food out there, that there's provision out there for them. And we as believers who serve an almighty God, who we know loves us, and we know has the ability and power to take care of us, we still struggle with believing that he'll do the same for us. If he cares enough about a bird to take care of it and ensure that it has everything that it needs, how much more does he care about you, a human being, the pinnacle of his creation? Put it in perspective, guys. You're worth more than those things. You are the apple of his eye, so God's going to take care of you. Now, that being said, it's talked about further in the New Testament in the the book of of Philippians, the letter to the Philippian church, I should say, where Paul is writing to them and he's saying, hey, I need help or I have needed help and you guys have always provided for me without complaining, without whining, without doing it begrudgingly. You've done it happily, right? Thank you so much for always helping me. And he finishes that section of the letter with saying, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Or other, a possible translation there, an alternate one could be, and my God will supply every single need of yours according to his riches. People always try to be super spiritual and try to twist the word of God and just say, well, that just applies to spiritual blessings. Your spirit is perfect, just like Jesus Christ is, right? But it's only a part of you. But your spirit is incorruptible, okay? Your spirit doesn't need food and water and drink and money. It doesn't need those things, all right? Your spirit doesn't need to be fed. It's your soul, which needs to be fed spiritually with the things of God, and your body, which needs to be fed with physical things along with the things of God, right? So your spirit doesn't need help. It's your body and your soul. So God said, or sorry, Paul said, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. In other words, because of all this giving that you guys have done, all this provision you've given me, I know it has taken a toll on some of your guys' finances, but don't worry, God's going to abundantly bless you and give back everything that you have given me and more. And that's how it works. And then we see um, in the book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse 10, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Another point to reinforce this, people who think that they're really seeking God and they're being so holy and righteous always seem to skip this verse because they seem to think that people who really seek God are made even holier by being poor. 
by being in lack, by being in want, by being in need, right? But it says right here, those who seek the Lord should not be in want of any good thing. Not a single one. So apparently those people doing those things aren't really seeking the Lord, in my opinion. And then Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. This is God talking. He says, test me. I dare you to test me. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Wow. God says, okay, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring everything you got that, that pertains to the tithe. Bring it in and I'll make a bet with you. All right, just watch to see if I don't bless you. It'd be more amazing if I don't bless you. Overflowing, right? I'll literally open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows and you won't be able to handle it and contain it because it's so much. That is how God works. He can't help himself. He can't help himself but to bless you overly and abundantly if you've proven yourself worthy and trustworthy of those blessings and that you're not going to abuse them for your own selfish gain, right? It's like how uh, it says in that verse where you ask for a blessing and you ask God for a blessing, but you receive, you ask, but you receive not that you might use it on your selfish gain. If you're asking for a ton of money, just to blow it on things, God knows your heart. You can pray all you want and say, God, give me money so that I can bless other people and expand your kingdom. But God knows your heart that really deep down, you just want to use it for whatever fun stuff you think is cool out there, right? God's not stupid. He's smarter than that. So those are the precepts and the principles of tithing and why we do it. We do it to give some God something to work with. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a back and forth relationship that we trust him with our physical wants and needs, which ultimately, like I said, they ultimately belong to him in the first place. And you're giving him a seed to sow and you're giving him a seed to bless overly and abundantly. Now, I'm going to finish this by telling you some examples that I've seen in my life things about how God has blessed me. He has blessed my wife overly and abundantly. I'm telling you guys, this stuff works because I've seen it. I have this whole life and this whole testimony that no one can ever take away from me, that God is good and he rewards those who give. The most recent example being that uh, some of you know that my wife and I are expecting our first child any day now. We're super excited about it. But Children are expensive. All the stuff that you need for a nursery and babies and all their little, you know, not just their diapers and their clothes, but all the other things you need. Kids are expensive and the world knows it. The world, these corporations and stuff who sell baby products know that people will pay through the nose to get them because you want to take care of your child because you love them. So they jack up the prices on everything. But let me tell you, we have had well over a thousand dollars worth of items for our child that we've had to get well over a thousand dollars and we've only paid like a hundred dollars out of pocket for all of it because it was either given or gifted to us all the rest of it that is a lot of stuff guys 
that's something that if anyone had told me that that was going to happen, like prophesied over it, I would have had a hard time believing it because it's just been so overly abundant, so amazing, such an incredible blessing. So now, not only do we have the excitement of having this child come into the world, we also have the excitement of telling him later on down the road that his coming was blessed financially and that everything that he needed was already given to us and that God provided all of it through obedient people. And it is just so incredible because that could have been a stressful thing for us guys to have to foot all that ourselves. It could have been very, very stressful, but God is just too good to let that happen. Another story I have is that when I was in college, I was working a pretty, you know, mediocre job, nothing special about it. It wasn't a bad job, but what I was making financially, my income did not match my expenses, right? I was spending more in rent and in groceries and in gas and et cetera, et cetera, than I was making. And I would watch my bank account just dwindle every few months. But then every few months, my bank account balance would just shoot up and there was no explanation for it. You know, I'd ask my parents, say, hey, did you guys just help me out? Like, what's going on? If you did, why didn't you tell me so I could at least thank you? And they would say, no, we didn't. If we did, we'd certainly tell you. And I'd ask other people, and I have no idea. And I know. The witness of my spirit says that the Lord just dumped money into my bank account. And it's incredible. And that was a difficult season in life, getting through all that and balancing full-time college with full-time employment. It was really, really difficult, guys. But God was there through it all. So that on top of everything else that I was juggling, on top of everything else that I was having to balance and work through and grow in, finances was not one of them. I did not have to deal with the stress and burden of worrying about ever being out on the street, of worrying about starving, of worrying about paying tuition, right? I didn't have to worry about any of that because I was tithing through the whole process. God, it's just been so good. This stuff works, guys. Give and do it cheerfully. It says God loves a cheerful giver. If you're going to give, do it because, you know what? God, this is yours. I love you. You've been good to me. Here you go. Here's my tithe or more. Do with it what you will, Father. Not, oh, word says I got to give a tithe, 10%. Let's do the math and figure it out cut that out of my paycheck and get it over with, you know, so because I don't want God to be mad at me. There's no reward in that. There is zero reward in that. God cares about your attitude just as much as he cares about the percentage or the dollar amount or whatever. Do it cheerfully, guys. Another blessing. This was a huge thing when my wife and I were first married. We're still technically newly married, I guess. But in the last place we lived, the rent was just excruciating. It was it was bad. It was painful. And uh, I definitely was not making enough to live there long term. I was, in proportion, the mediocre job that I was working when I was on my own and paying the rent of 
that other place, it still wasn't breaking even, but proportionally, it was still better than this place. This place, I, I have two, I had two paychecks per month, and this place took more than one of the paychecks altogether. That's how bad the rent was. So we were having to scrape by to live on whatever was left in the second paycheck. It was bad. But God sent us people. He sent us good neighbors. He sent us others who were just always blessing us just with random things that we needed, with random food. People would just come to our door and just bring us food. So that we, you know, it was one less thing or a few less things that we would actually have to pay for ourselves. And it was always things that we actually used and needed. It just wasn't, well, well, I found this, you know, molding in the back of my pantry for a few years and I figured I'm never going to use it. So maybe you do. No, it was never cheap, bad, nasty stuff or anything like that. It was good stuff. It was, it, they were awesome blessings, 100%. And we got through that season just fine. You know, Allie was working through her pregnancy right then and growing in that and she needed she needed to eat properly i couldn't afford to have her starving or anything like that but we didn't have to worry about that because god has just been so so good to us and he can be good to you as well guys he can do the same thing to you i'm not special i'm just a christian i'm just a christian who believes in the power of the tithe and the power of blessings and the knowledge that God keeps his word. Like he said to Malachi, I dare you to tithe and think that I'm not going to bless you way more than you can handle. I dare you. Let's take that attitude with our finances. Let's take that attitude and say, God, I'm going to take you up on your dare. Watch this. Then you dump money into the plate or whatever you give online. I don't care whatever that is, and with whatever ministry you're giving to. And watch God do his thing. But remember, do it cheerfully and do it with the right heart. And I guarantee you, you're going to see results, whether that's in actually getting money back multiplied, whether that's going to be manifested in clothing, or it's going to manifest in groceries, or friendships, connections, a promotion at work, a pay raise at work. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to come back to you. It's going to come back to you more than you gave. Because God is just so, so good, guys. Wow. Thank you guys for listening to this. I know we've talked about this before, but I just wanted to bring it back. Because I've just been overwhelmed with seeing this firsthand lately with all this with all this baby stuff we've been getting. God is just so good. He is just so so good. That's all I can say. He has blessed us overly and abundantly, hand over fist, pressed down, pouring over, shaken together. And all I can say is thank you, Jesus, for taking care of me. And he'll do the same thing for you guys. Always. He's a good father. He keeps his word and he takes care of his kids. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more content. You guys are awesome. You're blessed. You're growing in wisdom and in favor and in stature with both God and men. And I will see you on the next episode.